You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. The venerable Joe Hopkins is taking a break this week. Probably He's taking a break until Adam Vinatieri gets his act straight. Exactly. Darn right. You know Joe's opinion on Adam Vinatieri. We've got uh, the even more venerable uh, Matt Adams in here. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I, I'm good. You're much too kind, Dave. Oh. Much too kind. But uh, happy to ride the board here for Joe. Uh, don't expect as much uh, stat analytics uh, this week, I suppose. <laughs> or Vinatieri bashing. Or Vinatieri yeah, bashing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, there. I mean, you don't have to do much Vinatieri bashing because his play has really spoken for itself, Mike, these first two weeks. It's been the worst two-game stretch of his career. But nevertheless, uh, after the game, uh, he gave some indications that uh, – well, A, he didn't want to talk to anybody. That's that's clear. And tried to push things back, push things back. And so that immediately brought up a wellspring of speculation whether Vinatieri would still be the Colts kicker this week. Uh, lo and behold, he is. He gets the vote of confidence from uh, at least the head coach. And uh, as much of a vote of confidence you can get from a general manager who still brings six kickers in to, uh, to, see, uh, to see about a possible replacement. But Vinatieri will be the kicker this Sunday. And we're at the point, we may have touched on this last, last week, you're at the point that you, when he goes out there, you hope he makes them as opposed to you expecting to make them. He's missed seven kicks in his last three games going back to Kansas City, and six of them have been 33 yards or shorter, including the five pats. So it's an issue, and he went from being sort of defiant Friday before the, the game to trying to calm down where he, he sort of said you guys all read things into what you shouldn't have on the retirement speculation but you, I, I just have to believe that, that that word or that thought entered his mind at some point remember he said he was sitting by the fire outside a fire by the, by his house and just thinking and I just have to believe that at some point he's, he's wondering should I or not but the, the bottom line of taking speculation out the bottom line is he's kicking for his job mm-hmm uh, if the the one thing that Frank said, I think it was last week that that was interesting is that there are double standards with players, and the the better the player, the better the resume, the more latitude you have. Well, he Vinatieri's he's used his mulligans, and they're one and one. They could be two and zero, oh, or they could be zero oh and two. Uh, if he makes any of those kicks against the Chargers, this team wins. He misses a 29-yarder, and if he, he hits the 29-yarder, then the, the closing drive wins the game, not sends it into overtime. So you, you, just, you just have to get more out of that. And we watch him in practice, and he looks, he looks fine. He's kicking long, you know, 60, 64-yard field goals, which we were going to ask Frank, well, but how's he doing on the shorties? Because that's, you know, they, they refer— yeah, I don't care if he can kick a 65-yarder right. right now. I know he's got the Right now, let, let's do the old baby steps. Say, can we get can we get a 40-yarder right. yeah. down? Less than and, that. And, and that's where they are, again, in just imagine, if you do the hypotheticals, can you imagine if on fourth and inches, which we can talk about later, they don't get it. Tennessee takes over at the Colts' 35 with, what was it, two minutes or so to play. They need a first down— and they kick a field goal in 2019, and then what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, but I, I, I guess I understand Frank Reich's unwavering support. He's our kicker, he, and he went out of his way again the other day. He's our kicker. Uh, I, I would, 
would like a little more honesty, I guess, if that's the right word to say, you know, yes, we have concerns, but I'm confident that he's going to kick his way out of this. Well, and then Chris Bowder brings in six guys on Tuesday. Three of them have not kicked in the NFL. I was going to say, I'm going to read this list. Elliot Fry, Cole Headland, who was with the Colts in the Correct. preseason, Greg Joseph, Young Ho Koo, of course, Chase McLaughlin, and the infamous double doink Cody Parkey from the Bears last year. Who was here, who signed with the Colts as a rookie in 14. Yes. And the Colts traded him. Believe it, they actually got a player for Cody Parkey. And what's crazy about Parkey is, as a rookie, he's, he's Pro Bowl. With the Eagles. Yep. He was and, had a great season. And then last year, you know, it's the double doink we remember, which it was tipped. Mm-hmm. The ball was tipped. Yes. But he also missed five or six or seven field goals during the season. So it wasn't like that was his one hiccup. But you have to, as a GM, you simply have to have plan B in your mind. Now, I could have argued that since, since you're going with Vinatieri this week, you could wait until next Monday if he struggles and – have this kicking camp or whatever you want to call it, and then sign a guy that day. You know what? What's how would that have set you back? Although maybe one of these guys signs somewhere else. But this is clearly a point that that they they in their mind as a GM, what you have to do, you have to know if if he doesn't come out of this this is isn't it this week? I mean, how better be? Well, let's say hypothetically the Colts win thirty to seventeen, and Vinny misses two kicks. I mean, do you say, well, we won? Or do you say, no, this is this can't go on? Because what they're doing, if he doesn't come out of this, what they're doing is is setting themselves up for that 40-yard field goal or three seconds play that you win or lose. So it's it's I understand their, their confidence, their, their unwavering support by the coach, but at some point, if this was anyone else, if this was any other kicker, he's gone. Uh, so at, at some point, you hope he comes out of this because, again, their belief in my mind is that if he can come out of this funk, and the yips, whatever you want to call it, he's better than anybody on that list, and he is. But if he can't come out of it, if you can't hit the four-foot putt, you just can't keep him on the tour. One thing Vinatieri pointed out was that, well, at least he said, was that no – retirement really never crossed his mind during the 24, 48 hours since the end of the game until he talked to the media on Tuesday. Um, and he says, none of us should assume stuff when it comes. But but he, but here's the deal. I mean, if you leave the locker room, which you're supposed to be available, that's, that's like in the uh, NFL bargaining agreement. Players are supposed to be available after games. If you leave without talking to the media and really say on the way out, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Like, oh, wait, we, we don't talk to you guys tomorrow. You'll talk to me tomorrow. Right. What What do you expect? Right. What do you expect to happen in in the twenty four hour news media cycle of like constant updates, constant speculation? Obviously, th- people are going to think maybe Adam Vinatieri is going to retire. I mean, it, you have to it, respect it's, it's that. It's a logical him. assumption, and that's where he said you shouldn't assume things. Well, no, that's well. Sorry, when, when you, you leave, kind of set people up for that. When, when you and, and, and I, I've got a real good relationship with Adam, and we get along really, really well. But he knows better. He, he said, well, we've had, you know, two decades we've had access on Mondays. Well, but last year they, they didn't, and he knows. So I think he was just trying to kind of tamp down any, any again, speculation. But right. the bottom line is he, he's got to start kicking. And, and if, 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 if last week wasn't the line in the sand missing two pats in a, in a game that's 19 to 17, then I guess it's going to take – an egregious miss that costs this team 
again, because it, what we've seen, this team is going to be in a lot of close games. It's without Andrew Luck, and I hate to keep bringing his name up, but with, with the way they're playing football now, this is going to be 27-24. It's going to be 28-24. It's going to be something like that all year. And that means every time you can score, he's left, what is it, seven, nine points on the field the last two weeks, and you've won by, or you've lost by six, and you won by two. So, you know, do the math. Well, there was some speculation also that Vinatieri could still be hurt, and maybe the Colts would put him on injured reserve because during the preseason he was dealing with someone. It was his knee, I believe, and I think he said on he had, Tuesday he had, he had an inflammation in his left knee, which is his, his plant, plant leg. leg. Yeah, so, um, but but he kind of downplayed that. It seemed like it's not the injury that's really concerning to him right now. There are a couple other injury concerns for the Colts as we nice tra- transition. Yeah, transition from week two to week three. Uh, Pierre Desir got hurt uh, near the end, I believe it was. Is that, that third, the case? It was, it was early second half, I believe. Okay, it was yeah, third it was quarter. the third quarter, yeah. A, 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 a bone bruise in the yeah. knee. I was just making sure I wasn't crazy there, right. but I thought it was the second half. But Pierre Desir, a knee, bone bruise, like you said, in the knee. He's had a couple of limited days in practice. Uh, Darius Leonard's in concussion protocol. And that is that's less than less than optimistic to have a guy in concussion protocol and not taking significant steps yet. Mike. And, you, and you didn't practice today, by all reports. Right, so it's Thursday. Yes, it's, and, and there are there are steps I mean, that you have to clear. And you know, one of them is practicing now. Whether he can get out there Friday and do what needs to be done, generally that's not the case. I went back and looked, and they had seven concussions last year, and three guys played, didn't miss a game. One of them was Anthony Walker, and he had benefit of the bye week, which right. is extra time. So this it doesn't bode well. I mean, and again, it, the worst thing to do is speculate on injuries. But with concussions, the history is that you need to be out there Wednesday. You're going to miss something, yeah. Or, or you're, or you're going to miss the steps that it takes to get you there. And, again, they're very, very, very cautious with concussions. You don't want this to turn from a one-week thing to – Quincy Wilson missed – like a month, month last year, right? With concussion, and you know, it, it, it's the most un—I don't say unscientific, but you know, none are none are created equal. How it impacts one guy, it won't impact another guy the same way. So, but the fact he wasn't out there for practice on on Thursday is, is not a good sign. Marlon Mack is dealing with a little calf injury. Did not practice on Wednesday himself. That would be. Uh, Based on the Colts' offense this year, a Massive. disaster <laughs> if he can't play. So uh, he, he has been the offense, so they, they kind of need him pretty out much. there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you have Jacoby Brissett, who hasn't thrown for 200 yards in either of his first two starts, like what what is this Indianapolis Colts' offense that we're looking at right now? I think a lot of fans have to I think. went back and I, I said it was the bizarro world. They're, they're second rushing and 30-second passing. <laughs> Sakes alive, man. That, that's, I mean, that's that's back in the, uh, in the 1980s mm-hmm. when they had offenses like that, but and, you know, and we'll see. We, we, what was funny about Marlon Mack is we had access on Tuesday, and we're standing in the locker room, and, and he comes walking through there, and he's carrying one of those protective boots. And you're thinking, a Mike Chapel protective boot. His was his was <laughs> was bigger and stronger, but to see a player walk through a locker room who you don't know is injured with a boot. Now he's not wearing a boot, but still, it just kind of sends up red flags. But uh, he he was working on the side with trainers or rehab guys today. I think he'll be fine. Again, you hope this is something that I think it's a, maybe somebody said it was a calf injury, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll, we'll see. I expect him to play. And then uh, Kamoko Ture practicing, uh, whether it's limited or full, I don't know. But he, I think it's a good sign that he is oh, at I, least I, limited for it, sure. It, it because is. last week he was do, did not practice, right. did not practice. Was a shoulder or a, it was a neck? I believe yeah. it was. And yeah. he had that. He had a shoulder issue last year that bothered him, but. 
he when this defensive line is healthy with and then you add in Ta- Taquan Lewis who's who's back in the rotation and Danico Autry comes up with a monster game this is a pretty good front front seven certainly a front four we talked to Justin Houston today and he's just talking about how what's what's really strong about this group is it's different people mm-hmm. you know it's four or five guys contributing so and that's what you're gonna need this week against Matt Ryan. And that that's the that's the best way to attack a uh, a quarterback with your front four. It's not just one guy who's dominant. You need a couple different guys that can be disruptive because if it's just one guy, like you can you can block him and you can double team him. When there's multiple guys that have either speed or power, whatever it might be, it's really hard to focus on one. And and, and we've talked about this before, Mike. Certainly, it, it behooves the Colts to have a Justin Houston, a guy who is a stellar pass rusher who has a history of getting to the quarterback and is your quote-unquote uh, bell cow guy at the defensive line position. But if he's the only one, then you're in trouble. And that's what the Colts have been able to do so far. They, they've been able to get pressure with their front four because – each guy is winning two or three right. significant reps of their 60 offensive plays, and that can be that provo- has proposed trouble to opposing teams so far. Uh, eight sacks in two games, and that, that's what, again, it's, it, it, it's, un, it's, it's the, statistically it's unfair in football how Justin Houston only needs to win four plays. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Costanzo needs to win he, all of his he's plays. He's got to win them all. He's got about 1,000 because those two plays he gets beat probably gets you beat. But we've seen that Danico Autry is probably one of the more unheralded defensive linemen in the league. And, and Ture had a, had a strong opener with, what, a sack, and another one was erased with a penalty. Tyquan Lewis is going to get him pushed inside. It just means you don't have to, to blitz and really sabotage the back end of your defense. So I, I think they still like to blitz from the corner. So I saw some Kenny Moore blitzing first two games. But when you can get it with, primarily with your front four, it just helps the entire defense. We'll close this, the end. this isn't brain surgery. It's... It's just facts. Right. And we'll close injury talk with Jabal Sheard. Uh, has been out there on the field a couple times, but, Mike, you don't expect him to be quite back just yet. We see him walking through the locker room. Uh, he's still got one of those, is it Tim's unit, Tim's unit, whatever it is, electrical little thing. Oh, thingies. yeah, yeah, Tim's ten, unit. Sort yeah, of to, unit. To, okay. to massage. So I think it's another game or two. I just th- th- I think they initially thought in their heads about four weeks. Now, they didn't think it was longer because they, they kept him on the active roster. Right. But then you add him to this group, and I, I think again, barring somebody going down with an injury, knock on wood, this is as group, a strong top to bottom group as they've had. Grover Grover Stewart had his first sack. He did career sack oh, yeah. that day. Yeah, so he did. that's what they want. They want to keep these guys fresh. And with the team you have coming in here, you got to pressure Matt Ryan. You have to. Before we get to Matt Ryan, we'll quickly go through uh, last week a recap of Colts-Titans, their first win of the season, 19-17. Uh, thankfully, it did not turn into a 2017 ball game, Mike, after a fourth down conversion. But we'll start with that fourth down late, uh, that Frank Reich, in his own territory, a fourth and inches. 35-yard line. 35-yard line. Two minutes line. to play. Not, not even on like the 45, like no, on the no, 35. No. That's immediately field goal range for a good kicker in the NFL, that you turn it over and immediately they can get three points right there. Two minutes to go, uh, and he said that, quote, uh, I, I never considered. There was never and another there option. There was never another option. Always going for it. And I think if, if once again, if, if you expected anything else from Frank Reich, you don't know Frank Reich very well. Because they got up there. If you remember, they got up there and they tried to quick, or not just quick snap him, but draw him off. Right. And they called timeout. And then the, the announcers thought, well, they're going to come out and punt. Mm-hmm. No, they're coming back out. And they yep. were surprised. I, I guess I, I'm still a little surprised because I'm still old school. But 
I guess I'm going to have to trust Frank Reich, and that's who he is. He put all the faith in, yes, in his quarterback, but but in the offensive line and Kelly and Quentin Nelson and getting the push. Because, uh, again, the, the alternative is if, if you don't make it, Tennessee's first and 10 at your 35, two minutes to play, and all you need is well, you're kicking a 60-yard field goal at worst. Mm-hmm. First down, and everything you gain is easier. But he, he he's taking the approach. They're playing to win. They're not playing to, to, to not lose. And I'll, I'll expand on a point you made quickly that he's he's doing this behind Ryan Kelly and behind Quentin Nelson. I mean, with, with the personnel you have, I made this point on Twitter. I said, you, you have Ryan Kelly, a first-round pick. You have Quentin Nelson, a sixth overall pick. You have Jacoby Brissett, a six foot four, 230, 240-pound quarterback. If you can't gain a couple inches, that's 100% on you right, right there. Like That's the right call. I don't care if you're Frank right. Reich or the most conservative coach in the league. It is the right call to go for it there and keep control on yourself with your offense Go for it and win the game right there. And if you don't win the game, that, that that's not the wrong call. It's not a, in in hindsight, oh, since he didn't make it, it's the wrong call. No, it is the right call there based on the personnel you have, and Frank Reich didn't hesitate to do it. Now, the only thing I had a follow-up with him about that is you, you showed your onions on that play because you want to end the game right there. Well, but they didn't. They got the first down. Mm-hmm. Then it got to be third and nine. And, and they sort of had a give-up play to Marlon Mack. To punt, so so why not be aggressive there and at least throw the ball or call a, a, a passing play? You know, throw it, you know, roll out. If the pass isn't there or if it's not a sure completion, then just take the sack or, or whatever. And he said that they thought about it and, and the play they ran was going to be a pass, mm-hmm. but Jacoby checked out of it because he didn't like the look they got. So and I think Frank said he made the right call checking out of it. Correct. Too. Correct. Yes. So, but I'm I'm trying to remember if Tennessee still had a timeout. After that third down play, I thought they may have been out of their timeouts. I thought, yeah, they 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 were done because right. they were able to run the clock down Correct. all the way before they. So if, if mm-hmm. you know, I I guess if you want to take Frank right to the extreme, then on third and nine, you know, be more should have been more aggressive. But like he said, they they had a pass play called, and it's the one the, the one thing that's special about the quarterback here, they give him total latitude that if you don't like what you see, get out of play. It's I remember back in the Peyton Manning days, it wasn't checking to the best play, it's getting out of a bad play. You only get 60-some plays in a game. Don't run a play that you know won't work. That's credit there also to the Titans coaching staff, their defensive staff, and Mike Rabel for for still attacking on that play because what it was was they were going to bring corner pressure on that play, right. and that's what Frank Reich said Jacoby saw and then wisely checked Correct. out of it from the pass to the run. And so uh, they were still being an aggressive defense in that and not just sitting back and trying to on third and nine. Which we've seen that. You, you watch that yeah. week after week and people sit back and they let you throw oh, underneath. It's terrible. It's awful. Yeah, and, and that's not in Mike Vrabel's DNA, it seems no. like, from the couple of years, a couple of games we've seen him in uh, in his time with the Titans. So on on uh, the, another thing I guess that Frank Reich had faith in was if you turn it over, he had faith in his defense because at that point the defense was playing really well. The Titans had missed a field goal recently. They had back-to-back three and out that they were leading into like the defense had been playing really well and uh really more than any other unit in that fourth quarter was was the reason they stepped up and won that game because they just stopped the titans from doing whatever it was they were trying to do and the big fourth and was it fourth and their fourth down play came with what, what the yardage was fourth and three i think it was and, at, the, at the at the end of the game and, and quincy wilson makes, yep. makes the big play quincy and he's the one that we've talked about shout out consistent. He needs to be consistent, and he's been consistent since like midseason last year, and that, that was good to see. Because again, if you don't make that play, or if you jump it and you get an interference penalty, 
they're kicking a field goal, and then we're talking about who the new kicker is here. Mm-hmm. So it, that, that was really good to see for a defense that went into overtime the week before and couldn't make a play. I want to read a quote from Matt Eberflus on Quincy Wilson from this week. He said, Quincy is a really good pro. He's a mature competitor. Holy holy moly, Mike. That That is the last, the last thing we would have heard from but, this last coach. What is staff. Quincy? Is he 23? He's still young. He's a, he's I think a young he is. Kid. Yeah, he came into the league at 20. Right. Yeah. So he like he's grown up. Uh, and the, uh, the first few times we talked to coordinators about Quincy Wilson, they always talked about he's got to mature. Yes. He's not practicing right. He, and he, even Quincy mentioned he came in as a rookie unprepared physically. So mm-hmm. this is a kid that th- there are times you cut bait on players. Terrell Basham, they walked away from after two years. In, in, in the second year, was it? In yeah. the second year, in they the traded year, him they away. Get, they, get, well, they cut him. You're right. They, they cut they, him. I'm they sorry. They cut him. And here's one where you say, no, I see something here. Let, let's stick with him another year. And it, it, it's proving to be a pretty good decision. And depending on how much Pierre Desir is able to play this week, if right. he is able to play, we could see a lot more of Quincy Wilson. I was Matt. just I was just going to say, yeah. you got to give him a lot of credit for that last play of the mm-hmm. game because earlier in that game, if you guys remember, he got flagged for pass interference mm-hmm. on one that I thought he made a good play on. I guess, you know, they'll, they'll throw the flags for whatever, but he could have been a little more hesitant in that last play there. But instead, he, he went for it and, you know, it, it turned out well for the Colts. He made the aggressive play, and I'm, I'm glad to see a little bit more maturity and awareness there, I that, guess. That, that was a dubious call at best. A that, dubious, uh, yes. I don't, I don't know how you play defense anymore. No, no. It's, it's, it's hard. How about, how about the Jamal Adams, uh, the Jets hit on, um, on Baker Mayfield? Like but, that, That's been going, like, been talked about in national sports talk shows this week, Like the, and, and having Jamal Adams get, get fined for that hit. What, what, what do you expect him to do? There's a mobile quarterback running out of the right. pocket. He cocks his arm back. Sure. Do you know if he's going to throw it or not? Do you, is he going to just try to fake you out? Right. You've got to hit him there. there there's right. nothing else that Jamal Adams can do. And yet still, the NFL like doubles down by finding him afterwards. After reviewing it over and over again, it's the ridiculous. league says you can't do that. I go back to the, uh, was it Denver-Baltimore? And on the last play or the next to the last play, Bradley Chubb gets penalized for roughing. Yes. And I'm thinking, What? Yeah, no. He hit that him was... on the throw, and he falls on him, and they're, they're asking these guys to do the impossible. Yeah. Uh, but the only issue I, I had with Adams is he said, you know, what's the NFL doing? They've been doing this for 10 years. Exactly, yeah. They've been protecting quarterbacks yeah. for 10 years. So yeah. I, I guess don't be surprised. You can be outraged. But, but don't, surprise be, don't not, be surprised they're doing this. Yeah, that, that's wise. Let, let's talk about Colts offense before we move on to uh, to the next week um, from Colts Titans game. Uh, obviously, another great week running the football. Um, we saw Jordan Wilkins bust one big fifty five yard play. What what does Jordan Wilkins do? He averages five yards per carry last year and this year. That's what he does. He breaks out some big plays. He continually gains solid yardage. Um, I think you have to be, if you're a Jordan Wilkins fan, you can toot toot your horn uh, for his performance this week. Uh, Marlon Mack was certainly nothing great, uh, 20 carries, 51 yards. But overall, the Colts still ran that running game and run, run, ran the Titans into the ground and passed when they needed to. Less than 150 yards passing from Jacoby Brissett, but still was able to convert in the red zone down there. Some really good coaching in the red zone to free up guys in different places, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Paris Campbell, Eric Ebron, all those guys. And there's a shovel pass to Ebron, which is kind of like a run. It goes down as a pass, so we'll take the passing yard. It's a safe play. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a very drops safe, it, it's, yep. it's an incomplete pass. Yep. So um, your your impressions of the Colts offense this week, too, against a, a Titans team that really shut down the Browns in their, in their week one game, Mike? Not sustainable. You can't throw for 147 yards a game and win consistently. You just can't. You can do it against the Titans. You can't. 
You, and you can't do it against the Chiefs, right? Week five or week six. So, so and it's they've got a you know a couple they've got to push the ball down the field more, more aggressive, whatever. They've had two or three plays of twenty yards. So Plus far. the long play to Deion Kane that became Correct. obviously well, the pass and, and that's another reason you, you take your shots down the field the right. way they're calling it. You, you, so it, it's it's again second in rushing, thirty second in passing. That's not going to it won't continue and it can't continue. But you talk about Wilkins. What, what's I spend too much of my life looking at stats. I, I do. I understand that. <laughs> we love it. But since 1994, they've had 50, the Colts have had 15 runs of 50 yards or more. So in 25 years, right? 15. Okay. Donald Brown has three. Marshall Falk has three. Jordan Wilkins has two. He has as he has as many in sixty five carries as Edron James had in twenty one hundred carries. Wow! So because he had a fifty three yarder last year, right? He's got to obviously work on his finishing speed. That'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's that's where to, to some degree that the rushing stats were a little bit skewed. What they end up with one hundred and seventy six or whatever it was against Tennessee, one hundred and seventy something, and they got fifty five on the one play. But th- that's why you stick with the run game. Because mm-hmm. you break them like that. And, and yeah. that's what we saw with uh, Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack against – Right, he, it's 4-4, you know, four, four, minus 3-1. 60. 63, and then they had a 25-2. That, that's, that's, what, that's what you do. Yeah, and, and Mark uh, Mack is usually the one who breaks those. Correct. And it just happened to be, in this case, you know, fortuitous carry for Jordan Wilkins. It, they did a good job on Mack this week uh, of tackling him, and he just didn't. Usually, he's able to, to squirt ahead and, and get you right. know a fifteen twenty yard run. It just didn't didn't develop for him. Well, this and, week. and and with Wilkins' run, then like three plays later, they throw the touchdown to uh, to T Y. So it, it they work hand in hand, but again, you you can't. You I'm sorry, I, I'll argue with Frank right until hell freezes over. But you <laughs> you can't win sixteen games. You can't go a sixteen game season with this imbalance. You just, it's funny how the media we complain. When when they're only rushing for 80, 90 yards a game, they're ranked twenty second or twenty fifth, and now now we're complaining they're now, running now, now I'm <laughs> they're running too much. So so they, you know That's they can't they can't win. But uh, it's this was like this is like the third fewest passing yards in the first two games in like team history. I mean it's 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 at a second level. And the stat I just looked at, maybe I'll use a note online later in the week, but. Jacoby Brissett, 143 yard, 147 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The only other time in team history that goes back to in the Baltimore days in 1959, Woo. they threw for 110 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and they smoked the Rams 45-26. So it's just not done. Yeah. You know, normally with three touchdowns, you're going to throw for 250, 250 300, you know. But it, it, they're doing such great work. They're, they're one of the top five, six teams in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're top 10-ish, 12-ish in third down completions. And they've been very, very efficient. The problem is when you don't have the chunk plays, it's just hard to sustain drives. It's just hard to go you know, 80 yards in 10 plays, because you're going to have a false start, a holding penalty. You've got to make it easy occasionally. I, I think will. Again, we're talking two games. Remember the first uh, four or five games last year, different reasons, but with luck coming back from the injury, they, they were a very, very non, I guess, aggressive term is what you want to use. And then they, 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 got it, they got it going. So 
they, they will because T.Y. is, is going to make plays. Deion Kane's going to make plays down the field. So it's coming as just two games. We're not Colts fans are not used to seeing this kind of an offense. Maybe they'll see something different week three when they return home to Lucas Oil Stadium to host the Falcons. One and one as well, Atlanta, just like the Colts after a week one loss and a week two win. Uh, the Falcons lost to the Vikings week one and then came back and beat the Eagles week two. Offense looked better. But still, Matt Ryan had three touchdowns like Jacoby Brissett, but three interceptions against the Eagles as well. And that's kind of we, we've seen this out of Matt Ryan, that he trusts his receivers and his tight ends, his playmakers so much that he will he has a little Brett Favre gunslinger mentality in him. He will chuck the ball deep or to the sideline or wherever it might be in pretty tight coverage. He's not afraid to do that and let try to get Julio Jones to make a play. And well, Julio makes the play more often than not. That's he, why he that, does that, it. That's the thing is, Julio is always open. Yeah, in Matt Ryan's eyes, because he figures if he's not open, he'll make the play anyway. Well, he, he, I went back and looked too because Julio is such a great player. He's only played these guys twice in his career, but one was like th- three catches as a rookie, three catches for hundred yards, and then in fifteen. Six catches for like one sixty. Mm-hmm. So this 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 is a quality passing team. Again, you've got you got Ridley, you got Jones. Uh, it's it's just a really really strong team. But at the same time, they get smoked by the Vikings, and they had to fight like the devil to beat the Eagles, who hardly had players to finish the game with. Yeah, they ran out of wide receivers. It seemed like before the end of that game. So I, I think the Falcons have been underachieving a little bit i expected a little bit more out of them so far this year and they will come into this game uh, probably with a bit of a chip on their shoulder trying to to prove that they deserve the preseason accolades that they got um I, julio jones is their biggest weapon on offense for sure he's far from their only weapon but he is kind of the uh what, what makes them go the most and we we asked a couple of different colts cornerbacks just about julio and um you get you get better answers from some. Like Kenny Moore is just like everybody knows what he brings to the table. We just have to be on point. That's not very specific. No. Like yeah, but Quincy Wilson at least gave us something. He said he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he can run every route, and that's all true. But you know every every wide receiver in the NFL is uh, has like talents enough to to catch the ball and to run routes, and they're reasonably fast. But what what separates Julio Jones from I think the average wide receiver most of all is his strength. It's his physicality. He's a great run blocker as well, and he can use his strength either on fifty fifty balls to go up and get it, or to fight through press coverage to get open. And he obviously has good hands and good speed, like everyone else. Well, he, ran, he ran away on the, the, the was it, was it a bubble screen, yeah, just I mean, a little just... bubble screen, and like got slipped past one tackle, got a good block, and then boom, gone. We're, like. The, the opposite of Jordan Wilkins' closing speed is Julio right. Jones' closing speed because he, he's, right. he's still running right now. He's running all the right. way to Indianapolis. Yeah. But that's, this, will be, this is what I just don't think this is a team you can, you can win 17, 16, 20 to 19. This is one where you're going to have to score some points because as good as this Colts defense can play, you don't know about how effective or how long Desir can play. Generally, if you're out there in week three, they expect you to play the entire game like Desir. So, but these guys are going to make plays. That's why it's, it's we talked to Justin Houston today, and he just was was going on and on about how they've been able to get pressure. And to me, Matt Ryan's a guy that you can make him do some bad things with the football. Pressure he, him into mistakes. He, he'll, he'll put the ball up to be gotten. And that's why I think with this defense, the way it's playing with the front seven, with or without Darius Leonard, I think this is a chance to really put some pressure on Matt Ryan and, and – 
make him do bad things. I want to pose a question to you because kind of in that vein, well, sort of in that vein, but um, the Colts have not had their chunk plays this year, and that's because they've obviously run the ball a whole lot more. Maybe they've been calling it a little bit more conservatively with Jacoby Brissett getting him used to being a starting quarterback. But I think there was there was at least some some consternation among Colts fans uh, for Jacoby Brissett maybe holding the ball a little bit too long last week. And I always want to caution people saying that, that it's not always the quarterback. I mean, it could be wide receivers, maybe somebody ran a wrong route downfield. This is what I learned from from interviewing Jimbo Fisher at Florida State for a couple of years, that like he would always defend his quarterbacks to a T. Like people look at the quarterback and always think it's the quarterback's fault. It could be a wide receiver taking two extra steps on a route, and that's why the ball was short. You know, that that the, that's kind of what I gleaned from my time down there. But with Jacoby, he definitely held on to the ball in the pocket. You can say maybe he should have scrambled outside, or maybe he should have stepped up, maybe he should have tried to throw the ball away, whatever it might be. But uh, that it from. From hearing what you're saying today, it sounds like they he will need to try to push the ball a little bit more this season than he has so far if the Colts want to win games against strong offenses like we anticipate they're going to face this Sunday in the Falcons. You know, maybe he's hearing when they say, you know, because their, their number one issue on offense is ball security. He's got five touchdowns and one interception. Right. So don't, you know, don't put us in a bad situation. But at some point, there is the risk-reward, and you have to take risks. There were a couple of plays they showed replays where he, I don't want to say checks down, but he throws underneath to whoever, a tight end or whatever, and you see if he waits a half a second longer, T.Y. is open deeper. Mm-hmm. Well, but the one thing I want to remind people, and I've had the chance to do this over my career, is when you watch a certain pass play from the, from the press box, you wonder, how do they not complete that ball every time? Right. And then you, when you get on the sideline, you wonder how they ever complete a pass <laughs> because you've got people in your face. You've got watch some of these where the tight windows. So he, I think he's struggling internally in my mind with yes, we want him to be aggressive and make plays, but we're not going to turn the ball over. And what was in that awful 2017 season, 13 touchdowns, but only seven interceptions. And I think that he's really, really ingrained that we're not going to make we're not going to beat ourselves we're not going to make mistakes but at some point with Andrew Luck with him running it I mean he he would throw some bonehead mistakes he just and that's what he called them knucklehead mistakes but then he he has three touchdowns in the second half to overcome it we'll we'll see again this is this is Joby Brissett's only really third or second season if you want to throw away his rookie season with the Patriots to play to, to be a starter so he's still growing uh, I think they will, we will see more shots down the field because they, and sometimes maybe a, a chunk play. They talk about what well, chunk plays are in the special teams and running game, which is right. But we're talking the passing game. He's averaging six point one yards an attempt. I think the only player that's worse, it's crazy, with Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got to get the ball down the field, but sometimes that's Deion Kane catching a crossing route and breaking it and going for thirty yards. So it doesn't necessarily mean going downfield, but they they do need to stretch their legs to some degree in the passing game. And again, we're we're talking two games that it hasn't happened. So if we're still having this discussion in a month, then they have issues. And we'll be honest, it might be tough to do it this weekend, too, because the Falcons have, as of two weeks into the season, have one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. Well, with with a caveat. Yes, uh, Minnesota threw the ball ten times, right, in the opener. So you know, unless you're throwing for 300 yards with ten passes, so that that th- those numbers can be skewed early, right. 
Right. That's why you say in a month we'll come back and perhaps check with me in a that. month, and we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, Vinny's still here, and hopefully, they got this uh, the the offensive balance a little bit closer to where we need to have it. Here's one thing that their defense does have, and that's a couple of linebackers who can run and cover the ball really well. And that's what uh, Matt Eberflus said. Oh, that's what uh, Frank Reich rather said just this week, saying. Like Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell are both really good players, and they can get pressure up front with guys like Vic Beasley running right. after the quarterback. So that that helps. But like with those two guys, they're they're maybe as good a covering duo as there is in the NFL, a pass coverage duo. So if you're looking for a game where you might want to try to push it down the field, this one could be one of them. Since you're in your dome, you're back at home, you have that going for you, and perhaps those two guys are going to be a little bit more tighter around the the tight ends. Like Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron might, I, I emphasize might, have a, a little bit more tough sledding this week because of the guys they're facing. So this is a perfect opportunity, perhaps, to try to push the ball down the field as we're talking about. We'll see. But they're, but they're still going to try to establish, they're, they're going to try Obviously, to run. yes. If, if Frank has his druthers, he, he'll run for 140 a game and then get what he can from the passing game. But uh, again, again, it's, it's, it's two weeks We'll see, and and we'll see how how Marlon Mack is. I think he'll be fine. Uh, again, we see him walk in the locker room. He he looks fine, except for the boot that he had slung over his shoulder. But it's these guys have a pretty good capacity to recover uh, if it's nothing serious. And come, come game day, uh, you see a lot of guys that they they rehab, rehab, and then they practice Thursday or Friday, then they play. And so I I'm not worried about Marlon Mack and his availability on Sunday. Uh, you, you mentioned kind of the uh, sticking with the running game and then therefore opening up the passing game. That just, again, that brought up a quote that uh, I remembered from this week from uh, offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni talking about running for more yards than passing so far this year. He's saying, um, let's see, we, we want to take what the defense is giving us. We're riding the hot hand right now of uh, what we think. Our offensive line is playing great. Running backs are playing great. Um, our tight ends are blocking. Wide receivers are blocking well. So, hey, if you have the hot hand there, you're, you, you're going to ride it a little bit. And gave a great great note about uh, loving uh, Ryan Kelly coming off the field, slapping five with him, and then getting blood all over himself because Ryan <laughs> Kelly's all bloody from, from blocking dudes in the trenches. So, Well, if you're, if, again, if you're going to invest the way they have in the offensive line, you want to ride that. But, but again, that, that includes, you know, pass protection. Yes. So, and again, I thought Brissett, we always, we always have discussions in the press room about Brissett. When, if you remember back in 17, they, they had the big game in Tennessee where it was a fourth and one, and he rolls to the right. He has to run to the sticks to get the first down, and he doesn't get there. He's got to beat the linebacker. I called him deceptively slow because he looks like he should get there, and, and he doesn't. And he's not he, – he's sort of elusive in the pocket. He's not fast by any stretch, but he, he just shrugged off. How many sacks did he avoid? It must have been at least three or four. Off. So, so you reminded me of Roethlisberger in the right, pocket, right? Really and, did. And this is this is a big kid. He's strong. That's why the, the the quarterback sneak, you know that you know Brady does that to perfection uh, with the Patriots. But this is a well put together team. It's a well put together offense, and the only thing that's missing, well, I'll harp on it, is the the chunk plays. I think they come, but the, if they can run for 150, 160 a game, they're going to do it. Well, the Colts are tied for first place in the AFC South after their win last week over the Titans. Uh, Titans fall to one and one. The Texans improve to one on one with a win over the Jaguars, who are now Gardner Minshew led zero and two. They're bringing up the rear. They're a mess. They kind of are. They're, they're, they're you know dysfunctional. You got Jalen Ramsey demanding yelling, a trade. Yeah, yelling at Coach Doug Marone on the sideline. And, and we'll see. This podcast will come out in a couple hours. I want to see if he plays tonight. Mm-hmm. 
because there's talk that they're going to trade him. I want to trade him. And if you're management and you, in your heart, want to trade Jalen Ramsey, why do you play him tonight? I mean, are you serious? If you can get a, if you can get a first round pick and something for him, you don't play him tonight. You've got to be able to get more than a first round pick for Jalen Ramsey. Right. He's one of the best corners in the league. Right. So that that that's got to be the price if you're any well, team. Well, somebody said they were asking too. That's what you can ask. Sure. Right. I don't know if you'll get that. I like I'd like to ask for next Thursday off. I yeah. probably won't get That'd it. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be right back here. Yeah. Exactly. But but again, it, but if in your mind you have decided that we're going to get the best offer and we're going to take it, you can't play him tonight. As much of a dumpster fire as the Jaguars may be, they were a two-point conversion away from beating the Texans last week, Mike. So th- this division, as much as we might bemoan uh, or downplay the Jaguars' skill, they're right up there with what a lot of people thought after Andrew Luck retirement, after Andrew Luck's retirement, would be the best team in the division. So the, the Texans have played two darn close games, one against the, uh, the Saints week one, and just barely lost because Drew Brees was Drew Brees, and then one week two because the Jaguars were the Jaguars. So the Texans are they once again another year, and the Texans are just they're not living up to their. I'm, we're going to sit here in November. I'm going to say I can't believe they're not better. Ten and three or whatever right. it is at that time. Why aren't? They? Yeah, it's I, right there for you, Houston. It is. Why can't you just take you, it? You've got JJ Watts. You've got Deshaun Watson. Although by November he may be. Who knows? On IR. Yes. Yeah. Cool. But you've, you've got Hopkins and got all your this. Your boy Hopkins, Mike. Right, yes. right. Yeah. So, but I, I just think this is, that's why I think the, the Tennessee game was such a monster game. And now this one is the last time this team was 2 and 1, the Colts, 2013. It's been that long ago since they were mm-hmm. 2 and 1. Mm-hmm. So they've got a chance to come out of September 3 and 1, heading to Kansas City. And then, you know, I don't think they beat Kansas City. But at least but, you're three but, and two. But, but then you've you got a stretch of home games yeah. to where you can really set yourself up. So that, that's why the, you, you open at home again. And again, two teams that if, you're, if, if you are what you, who you think you are, you find a way to outscore Atlanta and you find a way to beat John Gruden. And I, if you are who you think you are, that should happen. You would think so. You would think. Especially, I, I think this. As much as I don't want to call a game in September a must-win game for your team this season, this this one is getting close there. And especially after last year when the Colts started one and five, I know that hey, you can you can come back for that. Don't don't get me wrong, but this is a super important game for the Colts because it'll set you at least on a path of having perhaps a winning record by your bye week. You can use that by in a couple weeks to regroup. And we have the luxury of looking three, four weeks down the field. Of course, Frank sure. Reich's always, yeah, we're, we're looking at this weekend and he, he's not even concerned with the six kickers that apparently Chris Ballard brought in. Uh, he's, you think this, Frank went and watched? I don't if know. you were head coach, wouldn't you just want to peek? <sighs> He'd probably say that. Yeah, I, I was, I was just too busy. So Chuck, Chuck Pagano told us that on who was it? Andrew Luck throwing in 2017. Did you watch him? No, I didn't watch him. Really? That one, I think I would want to go take a look. Right. Yeah, you would think. You would think. Okay, so Colts-Falcons this weekend. Let's get into um, some key matchups or uh, keys to the game and then uh, ultimately predictions for everybody here. Uh, Mike, you'll kick us off. I will go next. And uh, Matt, since uh, you are uh, the newbie here, you'll bring up the rear and then make the final point, the most uh, uh, important point, I'm sure, the entire show. So, uh, Mike, we'll start with you, and then I'll go. I'm going to say the pass rush against Matt Ryan. If if you can get to him for three or four sacks, he's going to give you the ball, give you chances. I think that happens, and I've not picked a score yet, but I'm going to take Colts 
30, let's say 30-20, hoping like heck that that doesn't include any missed extra points. That'd be nice. I am. Um, I think the key matchup is the uh, the Colts linebackers because well, in whatever they're doing uh, up against uh, the Falcons, either running backs or tight ends. Like you, you learn. You, you, we talk a lot about Julio Jones, and he's a game breaker, and he can absolutely crush you with one play, as he did for the Eagles last week when it's late in the game and all that. But uh, Austin Hooper is an underrated tight end who has come along after the retirement of Tony Gonzalez several years ago, and really. Um, really taken good steps and has a good relationship with Matt Ryan and is really adept at moving the chains on a third and three uh, in those situations. So if Darius Leonard is out, especially, that means you're getting a guy like EJ Speed coming in is going to yeah, be expected. Bobby Okereke will probably start and mm-hmm. Mike and they'll move Anthony Walker outside, but Speed okay. will have to play some. Okay, so so either way, like you're, you're getting a rookie in there, whether it's Okereke or Speed or both of them. Um, in more plays against a potential Hall of Fame quarterback than you would than you would care to admit. And we've talked so much about the Colts, uh, the quarterbacks they're going to face this year. Uh, it, it seems like, Mike, every week that maybe they're going to face one less because guys keep dropping like flies, whether it's Drew Brees, even though I think he'll be back by the Colts game late in the year. But uh, Tim... Big Ben's gone. Yeah, Ben's gone for the year, so you're, now you get Mason Rudolph instead of him. But uh, Matt Ryan is there definitely on the There was a great song in this... Was it in the- 1980s Mason Mason Williams classical gas. I'm getting my Masons mixed up. That's before Mason my Jones. time. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. But but anyway, I, I think uh, I think the Colts linebackers, whether it's uh, stopping the run game, Devontae Freeman, Edo Smith, to make sure the Falcons are one dimensional, or just being in coverage and uh, being able to kind of limit. Uh, the Falcons on their third and threes, their third and sixes, and get off the field in those cases because you're playing the right coverage. You're making good tackles on screen passes, unlike what happened week one that really killed them down the stretch. So That wasn't the case in week two. It was not. It was not. Yeah, they, they, their, their tackling was uh, just such a much better defensive right. effort. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, we sort of addressed, you guys talked about a little bit, you know, does pl- playing in the preseason, does that have an effect on it? And it just seemed like it was just a dress rehearsal in week one. Mm-hmm. Compared to what we saw in week two, absolutely. I, I, and you, I, have you I given agree. us a score yet? No, I've not. I'm getting you, to that. You've been meandering. I have been I'm try, trying trying to stretch a little <laughs> bit right here, trying to stretch things out. But um, but yeah, I think I think the Colts win this week too. I think it's going to be uh, something along the lines of a 24-21 ball game. It's going to be pretty close. I think I think the Falcons still have game, 24-17 game winning, game winning kick by Vinny. Then that'd be fantastic if that was to happen. And he can just once again come in, Toby Keith. How do you like me now in the uh, in the post game locker room? If only. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Matt, you're next. Oh man, you guys are killing me. I was I was going to pop that one. I was going to say 27-24 uh, Vinatieri with a 52 yarder to win the game. Nice. And uh, I, I think I think I. W- I don't know if we'll see it or not, but I do think we're going to see at some point Deion Kane really break a really big play for this team. And like you've said, you know, they're going to stick with the run game. They've got to see something from the pass game. I think Kane's going to break one this week. I've always said that if, if I were play, if I played fantasy football, I would stay away from this team uh, other than T.Y. Hilton because you just don't, don't know. You yeah. don't know. No. Mm-hmm. Because Kane had no catches, maybe no target. He had one target because there was an mm-hmm. interception. Uh, I think it technically doesn't count as a target, though, because right. it's a penalty. Correct. So. But, I, th- but I, I, I think you can see a guy like that and then have four catches for 80 yards. I think mm-hmm. that's the way this team is built. We still haven't seen the tight ends play that much. I mean, even had the two big plays, nice hurdle play on, on the first down. 
but the, the way this team is structured and the way they do it, it's it's kind of like Baskin Robbins. You know, take a number and it's who's next. I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how T.Y. Hilton and Jacoby Brissett have, have looked these first couple weeks. And we talked about it after week one, saying if there was ever an Andrew Luck T.Y. Hilton connection that they had eight catches in one week, it would be right. for like 180 yards, not for 80 yards. But nevertheless, he is finding T.Y. Hilton as Jacoby Brissett. He's your biggest playmaker, obviously. And once again, he found him last week, another touchdown in the red zone. And he had a nice pass to, to Hilton, too, on a, a third and long that was a very important pass mm-hmm. and uh, gunned it in there and got it to him. Of course, his interception also went to Hilton. He threw that one right. just a little bit behind him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they've got he's got faith in Hilton. And, I, of course, you would if you were a quarterback. As he should. Absolutely. So uh, Colts-Falcons this weekend. The game will be broadcast by uh, CBS4, or I believe it's 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium, the home opener for the Horseshoe. And, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I'm guessing the roof will be closed. It's probably going to be hot. I would think so. It's It's got to be. They Just, would bake people. Exactly. People bitch and moan about the roof. So if it's 90 degrees outside, you get that sun beating down. Of course, it may be raining as well, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I'd imagine things are going to be closed, but that obviously is a... Uh, I bet Vinny wants it closed. He doesn't like... No, he does doesn't. not like the window or the roof open. He and, really doesn't. And here's the thing now. With with how he's playing right now, <laughs> I think he goes how to Jim Irsay. It's like, hey, buddy. This is what I would like. Yeah. And they say, fine, it'll be closed. Hey. I, I, it, it, I will be shocked if the roof and the window are open because Vinny doesn't like it that way. So on Sunday morning, you can watch the Colts Blue Zone pregame show at 1130 on CBS, leading you into the NFL today and then ultimately to the Colts-Falcons game on CBS that afternoon. But this is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can listen to us every week. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchappell 51 uh, Matt, I don't know if you have a Twitter handle I because do. we it's, didn't talk about it it's, yet. It's uh, at Statomatty, S-T-A-T-O-M-A-T-T-Y, at Statomatty. I feel so bland with mine. Did you ever play Stratomatic football when you were younger? Uh, well, the, Was uh, it the little electric guys that yeah. bounce around? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, in high school, I kept stats for the football and the basketball teams. Okay. They called me the Statomatic, nice. uh, so we just took off the ick and made it a Y. So I love Statomatty. it. I love yep. it. Perfect. So follow us all on uh, Twitter, and uh, I guess Joe, too, assuming that he comes back in one piece from his uh, victory celebration of, uh, of Adam Vinatieri's uh, struggles and less than successes. But <laughs> I- I- in all seriousness, I think everybody in this room hopes that Adam Vinatieri bounces back oh, this absolutely. week. And, yeah, we can, uh, we can see him uh, taking a victory lap himself after, uh, as Matt put with, it. With fingers raised. Exactly. A 52-yard field goal to win the game against the Falcons <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. So this is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Download, subscribe to get it delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 